your home is usually full of chaos and life. But this morning, it's an amazing opportunity for us to pull together and for you as a father and a mother and your kids to pull tight, pull together, and turn that home to an altar. So we invite you this morning to join us. I'm encouraged by the words of Jesus when right before he was crucified and he knew the disciples would go to a very uncertain moment. He looked at him and he said, peace I leave you. Not peace as the world gives, but I give you a peace that's from my Father. And it's amazing that during this time, I know you feel it in your heart and I feel it in mine, that there's a peace. It's unexplainable, it's unknowable, but it's a peace that just overwhelms and I don't have to worry, I don't have to be afraid, I don't have to fear anything. And it's been interesting as I've talked to many people, my neighbors included, and I can see the apprehension in their eyes. I can see the fear. But my hope is that in me, they see the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. And the beautiful thing is that we can trust the Lord because he's written our story. He's written our story full of hope, full of life, full of his spirit. And so this morning, as we enter into worship, I invite you in your home to sing out, to sing loud. Let's sing this song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of
that you have written it. And God, in every moment, in every circumstance, in every apprehension, in every question, you go before us and you cover our rear. God, you have led the way. God, we thank you for that.
one of the most precious verses in the Old Testament and one that is just pregnant with, uh, I believe, the message for this hour is in Isaiah. Isaiah said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. In the year the diagnosis was given, I saw the Lord. In the year our company went out of business, I saw the Lord. In the year, and we all have those, and now as a nation and, and globally you see, as Wade was speaking about, there being such an anxiety. Our need, our greatest need, as you're watching from home with your husband and wife by your side and your babies, is this morning just to see the Lord high and lifted up and his train fills the temple of the corridors of heaven. There's a scepter in his hand this morning and he rules and reigns and he's sovereign. And all that look to him shall never be put to shame. Would you bow your heads with me uh, all throughout uh, those watching online? Would you just bow your heads uh, with your babies beside you? Lord, everything we have is yours. It's been committed unto you to keep unto that day. And we, O oh Lord, we choose to look past, not ignore, but look past the obvious and see the eternal. You, O oh Lord, are with us. You, O oh Lord, are for us. You, O oh Lord, are faithful. And we exalt you. We magnify you in our own eyes, in our own mind. I thank you, Lord, that in a world of uncertainty, I couldn't be more certain today because of the faith that beats in my heart that you gave me. You gave me. I see you today, Father, and you're not worried. You're not anxious. You are in absolute control as you were from the beginning before there was a world. I thank you for the opportunity in these difficult times, Lord. I thank you for all that you've given us. So faithful, so generous, so generous, so trustworthy. We pray, oh Lord, as we uh, practice this new expression, really in a, in a newer way, that you be glorified. That as you see every family in their home, on their couches, at their dining room table, and those by themselves, that you would see our heart. And it's a joy to worship you corporately today, oh Lord. We love you, we honor, and we bless you today, God. In the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord. Okay. Guys, this is brand new territory for us, but we are so glad to be with you and be able to worship the Lord uh, here from Christ Chapel, Macon, but into your homes. I have to do this, sorry. Good morning, Isabel, Elisha, and Olivia, Mama. Daddy misses you very much. Sorry, I get to do that because I'm the pastor. But guys, we're going to go into a time of our announcements in just a moment. Um, and then we're going to go through our giving as a worship expression. This is what I ask you to do from home. If you haven't already, uh, unless you're watching, of course, on your phone, 
turn your phones off, get rid of all distractions so that we can be uninterrupted in our time of worship together today. God bless you. Here come some announcements for you. Good morning, church. We're so glad you've tuned in with us today. We're excited about the opportunity that you're getting today to have worship with your family in a way you've never done before. And it's our heart at Christ Chapel. We want to make sure you're connected during this time. I know we don't get to come into the building. We don't get to hug each other's neck. We're not really going to shake each other's hands. But we want you to stay connected. So we're asking that you would find 10 people, 10 people that you know or maybe somebody you don't know so well, but find 10 people. And during the next week, would you just reach out to them, check up on them, see how things are going, see what's new in their life, see if there's any way you can help them, encourage them in Scripture, and even pray with them. So if you would do that, that would just... Help us stay connected in such a rich way with our church family and would keep us strong. Good morning, Christ Chapel family, and I'm excited about today because, listen, I want to share with you what youth is doing to stay connected. That's right. Not only are we doing what Wade said, um, uh, calling out to 10 people, but we also, every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, we're going to Instagram Live. And you are all welcome to watch that as well. It'll be youth-focused, but everybody's welcome to watch. That's Instagram Live on Wednesday at 7 p.m. It's going to be great. And don't forget, CC Kids, we have some things specifically going on for you. We want you to check out our Facebook page. It's listed under CC Kids Ministry. That's C-C-K-I-D-Z Ministry. And go on, like some of the things so it begins to pop up on your feed every single day. There are challenges being posted to keep us connected. One of the things that, that kicked off this past weekend was our fort challenge. And you think, oh, forts, man, we've seen some elaborate forts already. You can go on, post pictures of those in addition to the Bible stories that are going to be continually posted, studies that you can do with your family. So make sure, go to the Facebook page and go to CC Kids Ministry. In addition, every single Saturday at 4 p.m., we are going live with our CC Kids Ministries worship experience. Make sure, don't miss it, or you can also get your family involved, take a picture of you guys worshiping together. We love you guys, and we can't wait to stay connected. I want to specifically speak to our ladies' Bible study group. Many of you have reached out asking, hey, is there a way that we can continue our ladies' Bible study series? I know that we only have a few remaining sessions, but we are bound and somewhat to the copyright laws, and so we are just going to postpone that. However, we are connected through our, our small groups, and so we want to keep that going. Make sure, reach out to your small group leader. They'll be reaching out to you. If you have questions, continue to study. Uh, continue to dive deep into God's Word, and we can't wait to kick it off again soon. We are so thankful that some of you have asked, how do you continue giving during this time? Well, we have several opportunities for you. You can do it through our website, through our app. You can text to give, or you can even mail it into our offices. And if you have any questions on how to set up one of these uh, online opportunities, go to the app and there's instructional videos that will lead you through that. And we thank you again, once again, for your, your faithful giving. We're at peace. We know Jesus has this. We know Jesus is operating. We know Jesus is at work. And we're looking at new opportunities in which we can engage the gospel with our community. So would you join us in that? And remember, the church isn't closed. The building is.
Let's lift these, our gifts, to the Lord this morning. Father, it's with great joy that we honor you with the first fruits of what you've given us. Father, I had a, a housebound saint uh, wrote me this week, and she talked about the world being so upset that their apple cart has been turned over. And I felt you speak to my heart. Where did all those apples come from? Your goodness, your faithfulness. And Lord, we just offer back today the first fruits of that which you've given us. You don't owe us nothing, but we wanna honor you. I thank you for the faithfulness of those that call this place home because it is very important to us. It is important to you that we honor our creditors and we are faithful in this community to our, our debts and um, to the services provided for us. And so I just thank you in advance, oh Lord, that just as you always have for these 25 years, you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And you just happen to use us to do that. Blessed be your great name this morning, Father. Accept these gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. So for our worship team here, our sound techs and those at home, I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. And turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. John chapter 6. I'll be reading out of the Amplified Version this morning, but whatever version you have, I'm sure you can follow along. John chapter 6, verses 14 through 20, and then 28 through 29. John chapter 6, 14 through 20, 28 and 29. When the people saw the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus had performed, they began saying, surely and beyond a doubt, this is the prophet who has come into the world. Uh, brother, would you turn me down just a little bit? It's kind of an echo chamber in here today. It's like an airport hangar. <laughs> okay, back, back to the scripture. When they saw the miracle that Jesus had performed, they began saying, surely and beyond a doubt, this is the prophet who has come into the world. And then Jesus, knowing that they meant to come and seize him, that they might make him king, he withdrew again to the hillside by himself alone. And when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and they took a boat and were going across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come back to them. Meanwhile, the sea was getting rough and rising high because of the great and violent wind that was blowing. However, when they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and approaching the boat. And they were afraid, terrified. But Jesus said to them, and this is what I want you to see in your Bible. It is I, or the I am. Stop being frightened. Then they said, what are we to do? Verse 28, skip to verse 28. Then they said, what are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? Jesus replied, this is the work, the service that God asks of you. That you believe in the one whom he sent. That you cleave to, trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger. Remain standing for just a few moments with me. 
Our nation and world is facing unprecedented times for us, but not unprecedented times. There have always been wars, pestilences, uncertainty, calamity, upheaval, persecution, and fear. People afraid of what has happened, what is happening now, and what may be coming. Afraid of difficulty, afraid of powerlessness and lack of control, of pain and sorrow and loss. These things may be new to us today, but to those who have traveled before us, it is not new. As Christians, it seems we may have mistaken the promises of God for something that exempts us from trials instead of something that keeps us in trials. God's promises are not something given that we might quote and claim to keep us from storms, but to give us buoyancy until the storm passes or he acts. The key to living in these days is not up-to-date knowledge about the threat surrounding us, but a current confidence in the one who lives in us. It is not up-to-date knowledge that gives us strength, but an abiding sense of his nearness. A firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the person of Christ, the presence of Christ, the power of Christ, and the promise of Christ. For he has said, Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I'm asking you as families and those watching online, if you would just pray for me as I pray for myself this morning. Lord, I just humble myself before you and I ask that you would uh, take every distraction from my mind, every bit of self-awareness, the awkwardness of an empty building, that I might speak your word with such clarity. I speak on behalf of our worship team and all that are working today. We have zero desire to impress anyone with our service. We want your spirit, Lord. We want for the presence of Christ to travel through these airwaves and meet people in their living rooms and touch our minds and our bodies and and give us a confidence that's based upon your word that we might have that which is necessary in us to navigate these times with a bold assurance that the God whom we serve is faithful and able and will not fail. And I thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to spend very little time addressing the state of the hour globally. And I want to talk to you about the state of your heart individually. One of the trademarks of the Christian in the last 20 plus years, 30 plus years, what's been pushed in media is power, signs, wonders, miracles, uh, professions of creative faith and all of the above. But the trademark of the Christian, although we do have power, great power, that's not the trademark of the Christian. The trademark of the Christian is peace. A calm assurance that God is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him and trust him. An unmovable, unshakable person that when everything around them is, is winnowed away, what remains is their confidence in God. 
refusing to worry, refusing to reach their hand into the throne room of God and grab him by the collar and say, I must be anxious because you are not faithful. It's a firmness. It's not that we're not aware. We see what is going on around us. But sometimes you have to close your eyes to see most clearly. And we look upon those things which are unseen. Everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. So that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. I want to speak to you this morning about our own personal fears. And if you're taking notes, we should have these posted for you. I want to just go through the first three. The fear of what is. The fear of what might be. And the fear of that which should come. And then we'll do the fourth point uh, together. The fear of what is, the fear of what might be, and the fear of that which should come. Number one, the fear of what is. That which was happening to the disciples in this passage. I want you to draw some correlations to where we are now. It had no warning. It was beyond their control. The outcome seemed to not be written. They weren't sure if they were going to get home to see their families again. They weren't sure uh, if Christ had lost control of the situation. He had not given them a specific uh, destiny. Like many times he would tell them, let's go to the other side. This was just a traveling. And it's for us, the, the things before us, when, when there are more facts that can be discerned naturally than there are spiritual facts that can be discerned internally, we seem to struggle. And when we have access to media 24 hours a day, seven days a week, saying the same thing over and over and over again, it's hard to remember in the darkness what you knew in the light. And we have to keep that ever before us. I want you to notice in this passage, it's very simple, but it's profound. And address yourself. Examine yourself to see if this is you. He never addressed the storm in this passage. What is? He simply reminded them who he is. Sometimes God calms storms. Sometimes he does those things. But the greatest, all-inclusive Remedy for life is to see him, to see him in your home, to see him in your family, to see him, as Wade says, behind us, with us today and in our tomorrow, to see the Lord. For him to come up in this violent storm, we would think that the active Christ would deal with the storm. But what's greater than the storm, because see, if he deals with the storm, there are more storms to come. When he deals with the heart, and he said, and if you look up in the original Greek, what he was saying was, it is I am. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses that brought the children out of the land of Pharaoh with a strong arm that fed the, the people of Israel, million plus Jews, Traveling through this barren land. And he said, I rain food from heaven. Angels food. Cloud by day to keep the sun off of them. Fire by night to keep them warm. 
and I had a rock follow them. That rock was Christ, a mountain, a, 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 a piece of visible granite that followed them that poured water. How does, a, how does a rock follow them? You tell me. But he gives the stories. These stories were written aforetime for our learning, for our admonition, that we might carry forth these lessons into our present day. I don't need to see the wind calm down. I need to see the maker of the wind. I need to see the one that controls all things, the Bible said, and all things are upheld by the word of his power. Jesus said, it is I, that's all you need. How clearly do you see the Lord today? Many people lose sight of them in their blessing. Their blessing is their cursing. When they're blessed, they distance themselves in a land of pleasure and they don't see the Lord. Many don't see him in their calamity because they're not prepared for their calamity because they forgot where they left the Lord. But the key the key, the answer to every fear is that statement, I am. The answer to every fear is Jesus saying to your heart, it is I. Be not afraid. But I'm here. Listen to this. I am with you. I am governing above you. I am for you. I am has perfect knowledge about this. I am has perfect control of this. I am active even in my inactivity. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor John? Well, there, there are hidden, thing, hidden things right under the surface when you study the Word of God that come out to you through life experience. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And they said, the one whom you love is sick. And the Bible said he waited three more days to, before he come. And during that time, Lazarus died. And they, they couldn't understand, where, where were you? Why didn't you come? As soon as Christ came, that's what they did. It was an accusation. Had you been here, our brother would not have died. Where did you lay him? Then the other sister come running out. If you'd have been here, you, I know you loved him. Why were you so hesitant? Why were you so inactive? And see, that's, that's, the, that's the, the uh, verbiage of the one that does not know him. It is okay to say, I do not know what you are doing. But it's another thing to say you're doing nothing. Because just because you can't see his hand working doesn't mean that his hand is not working. So Jesus came, he said... Where did you lay him? And they said, Lord, don't, don't do this. By now he stinks. He's decomposing in this hot, arid sun. The stone will just let out that stench, reminding us of what we feared. Don't, don't, don't open the stone. And he said, listen, did I not tell you that if you just believed you would see the glory of God? And that's a word for you today. If you will just believe... In small and in big ways, in expected and unexpected ways, you will see the glory of God. You don't need your answer, your questions answered. We need our eyes opened to see the Lord. So they rolled the stone away and Jesus shouted. Well, first he prayed, 
Father, I thank you that you hear me, and I know you hear me always. Lazarus, come forth. Heard an old preacher years ago said, good thing he said the name Lazarus, because if he had just said come forth, everybody ever died would have got up out of the ground and come forth. But he said, Lazarus, come forth. And this dead man came walking out of this tomb. And he turned to the family and friends that untie him so he can go. Why would the Lord wait? Why, why would the Lord let us spend our retirement? No thought given to us having the capacity and the opportunity and the health to provide resources that could be available in a day of need using that. And we say, why would he have waited? Why would he have waited? To show his glory. Had he came when they called him, he would have healed Lazarus. But when he came after Lazarus died, he raised Lazarus. And this is going to be great opportunity for some of us to show our children what it's like to do without some, to go backwards in the world's eyes. For Jesus seemingly to be inactive and we get to look in that seven-year-old's face and say, look at your daddy. Just because you can't see him moving doesn't mean he's moving. God's got this. And it's wonderful when they see not just everything roses, but when there are no answers. And they look to the countenance of the ones that are raising them and said, he's doing something. They say, well, daddy, what's he doing? He said, oh, baby, I don't know, but I see him. I see the Lord. And that high exalted state lets me know that he's still enthroned. And he's not only enthroned in heaven, he's enthroned in the courtroom of my heart. And he rules and he speaks edicts like this. It is I. Be not afraid. Don't put questions on God's declarative statements. Just say, yes, Lord. Because it's enough for them. It is, however, these present threats that separate the wheat from the chaff. The professors from the possessors. The ones that say they know God and the ones who trust God. Don't fear what you see. Number two, the fear of what might be. And this is the warrior's heroine here. The warrior's narcotic. Some of these, you may be one of them. Your problem may not be my problem, so I'm not judging. But people that are addicted to fear. Oh yeah, there are people addicted to pain. And there are people addicted to fear. They can talk 25 minutes with no notes about what could happen. And then say, well, I know the Lord is faithful. Just one little tagline sentence. We can't let our mind run. You say, oh, I can't help it. Yes, you can. You have the power to cast down every vain thought that vaunts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing it unto the obedience of Christ. That doesn't say you won't have an active mind. It means that you don't let it govern. You govern your mind. These are fears based on feelings about the unknown. Remember that what is unknown is unknown only to you. Why does the unknown bother us so much? Why, why do we want to have a crystal ball? Why, why do we have to have the psychic hotline, you know, and the people, the tarot cards? We want to know the future. We want to know the future. Why? Why? Let's look at the honest 
and answer it honestly. What is it about us that we are so afraid of the unknown? Why do we want information so we can act on it? We're self-reliant. Now, I'm not saying that's not the way our humanity is wired, but it's not the way our spirit's wired. Our spirit can say, as long as you are throned in my heart, I don't have to know. Now, do I want to know? Well, of course. But how else will God wean us off of self-reliance except the unknown? What is unknown is only unknown to you. Just this statement, and I know this, you've heard me say this over the years, and I know it's very simple, but the idea that God knew before he formed the world that I would be standing in a 600-seat sanctuary with about 10 people here preaching during these times wearing this shirt, that doesn't just boggle my mind. That gives me absolute confidence. That he knows the beginning from the end. He knows the middle. The promises that he's made uh, are based upon perfect knowledge. The unknown troubles us because of unbelief. Our divided loyalty. And I said self-reliance. We would rather have answers than revelation. Temporal security instead of eternal provision. Trouble-free life instead of a truly free life. And blue skies instead of heavenly skies. Blue skies is one thing. But when the skies are dark and you see through them to the glory, the resplendent glory of heaven where the Lamb is the light thereof. No one can take that from you. I believe God's going to start shaking up the church in the West to where we are not dependent upon our own wealth. Ability, capacity, because that's the, the sin of the Laodicean church. You're rich and increased with good. You think you're rich. You think you're increased with goods and you have need of nothing. But internally, there's a blindness, there's a nakedness, there's a wretchedness, and there's a poverty. And he wants us to, even if we have assets in the bank or if we don't have assets in the bank, our confidence is not in our information or our control. Not in what we possess, but in who possesses us. Number three, the fear of that which should come. Now, this is based upon the facts. This is where some of us struggle. We get this information, by the way, that's very selective. We're getting what everyone wants us to hear, the governing powers. And you, you deduce, you know, five minus two is three. These figures add up to this equals this difficulty. This amount of loss of income will equal this. And these deductions are accurate, but they're incomplete for the believer. Because you can't take the God dynamic out of the life of the believer. So don't deduce accurately and decide that is what has to happen. You remember when the disciples were traveling on a storm and the Bible said the waves beat into the ship, Mark chapter 4, so that it was now full? What do full boats do? They go down. So that's deducing, you see. We're going to perish. They told Jesus, save us. We perish. Where would you get the idea of we're perishing? Well, the waves are beating to the ship and the boat is full and full boats go down. How do you argue with that logic? You don't. But they left out one factor. Jesus has said in Mark 4.35, let us go to the other side. 
And Mark 5, 1 says, and they came to the other side. Because when God tells you you're going to the other side, to the other side you're going to go. It's more important to interpret the word of God than it is your circumstances. Better to be ignorant to what is going on around you and settled on what is going on inside of you. The fear of that which should come. These are threats that are deduced from what we have seen. They are based more on facts than feelings. These fears seem more logical than ludicrous. But it's the facing of these fears and these threats which separate those whose lives are governed by earthly information and those who are led and confident in divine revelation. This is what the story in Daniel chapter 3 of the three Hebrew boys is all about. And I'm not going to give you the whole story, just a very quick summary. A, a decree came out from King Nebuchadnezzar that he was going to build this. He had built this idol in the valley of Durham. Uh, very, very tall. I forgot exactly how tall. A uh, gold statue. And he said, at the sound of the musical instruments as it plays from the palace and down the streets, the moment you hear it, you are to bow down and worship but there were three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that said uh, in their heart, we're not, first of all, we're not going to defile ourselves and eat the king's meat and wine, and then we're not worshiping any other god. But the threat was, it was very simple. If you do not bow down, there was an existing fiery furnace in the city they kept fueled. And it says that uh, our historians write, not the scripture, our historians write, that the flames were 150 feet in the air. Now, I don't know how you'd go about measuring back then. I'm glad I wasn't on the committee to find out how high the, the flames were. But the, the threat was simple. Now, apply this to any part of your life. If I do this, this is going to happen. If we get this, this is going to happen. If I lose my job, this is going to happen. If I don't bow down, I'm going to burn. Those are facts. But it's not the truth. They were brought before the king and he said, I heard you did not bow. This is right. He said, I'm going to give you one more chance. You will live in fear of what is to come. You see? That's what's coming. They, 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 they can see it. You can see it on the horizon. You can see it at 6 o'clock. You can see it at 11 o'clock. You can see it all day. This is what is coming. This is what's coming to our world. This is what's coming to our nation. And the facts may be accurate, but they're incomplete. These little teenage boys, tied hand and feet, standing in front of the king of the greatest nation on the face of the earth at that time. And they said, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, small K, by the way. I'm not careful to answer you in this moment. <laughs> that right there, you're talking about, it's not smack. That's, that's not smack. That's a teenager that possesses what most of the church has never even tasted. And I'm not careful to answer you in this matter. I decided this long ago in my heart. Watch. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning fiery furnace. They quoted what the thing was. He's able to deliver me what they're talking about. He's able to deliver me from economic downturn. All of those things are real. He's able to deliver me. And he will. And here's the caveat. But if not, 
If I look like a fool in the eyes of the world and to you and somehow my faith seems unrewarded and I follow a path and others go, see, his naivety was his destruction. But if not, I'm still not going to bow down and serve your God. I'm not going to live in fear, which dictates how I act in this world. Not going to do it. We should never see the visible threats more clearly than we see the invisible Christ. We should never expect evil before we expect good. Philippians 4, 4 through 7 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody. The Lord is at hand. Paul was saying that. Where was Jesus at this time? He's in heaven. He said, let your reasonableness be known to everybody. The Lord is at hand. What does that mean? Yes. At your right hand. He's here. He's present. Let them see your reaction to you living in the Spirit. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. They see what other people don't see. They hear what other people don't hear. They know what other people don't know. And they live like other people don't live. The Lord is at hand. Listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything. Your Bible may say be anxious for nothing. What part of nothing? No thing. Don't we understand? Well, that's just ridiculous. Be anxious for nothing. What if we took seriously these passages as seriously as we do those, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal. He said, be anxious for nothing. So how are you doing? You know, the average Christian would say, well, that's just ridiculous. No one can expect that. God does. He wants you so confident in his character that when you face inevitable destruction in a 150-foot flame, you say, he will deliver me from this. And if not, I want to go on record that I'm not going to bow down and make my choices based on fear. Not going to do it. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what happens to the purpose, the person that refuses to be anxious, that lives in prayer and practices gratitude? And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard, garrison your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. It's like a military soldier standing at your heart, saying, no entry here. This heart is secure. Finally, number four, fear loses its power in the life of the believer. You say, well, Pastor John, okay, I got it, but what am I supposed to do? Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but these are three primary ways to eradicate fear from your life. Number one, consecration. Consecration. Philippians 3, 7 through 11. Listen to this. Paul said, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You cannot fear about losing something that's already been totally surrendered. He said, I count all things but loss. So here's, here's 
my buddy Lance and I, we were talking uh, just yesterday, I believe it was, or the day before, you know, when you're old, it's just, you know, a day or two ago. We were talking. So here I am as a father. Here he is as a father. Years ago, we've done this. Months ago, we redid it. Last week, we did it. I got a few things in this world, Lord, that are irreplaceable. My wife, Kelly, and my babies. I lose them. I put them in your care. So I've lost them to you. I get to enjoy them. I get to share them. I get to provide as a grace you've given me. Not just a responsibility, but a joy to do that. So if I've already surrendered, Paul said, I count all things but loss for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. The only way he was able to actually cross those bridges, like when a wife dies or a child dies or something happens, is that he'd already given them away before. You, can't, you won't fear losing anything that's not yours. Chris, have you worried at all this week about my checkbook? You see what I'm saying? Or do anybody got a closed checkbook account, closed bank account recently, last year or two? Okay. Did you worry about that? I'm just so concerned that that checking account is good. I just, it's not yours. Consecration, that which you commit to God, releases you from the responsibility to keep it. And I've given, the Bible says that, and everything I've committed unto him, Reginald, he's going to keep to that day. It all gets back to faith. Part of our fear arises from we've never given the Lord the precious thing, the irreplaceable thing. We trust in our silos more than we trust in, you know, his provision. Number two, fear loses its power in the life of the believer in Revelation. It's really not number two. That's probably the, the first one. But in Revelation, understanding. Listen to this verse in Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Your study of the word of God, your application of the word of God, your surrender to the word of God, your engrafting the word of God in you. When you learn of who Jesus is, Jesus said you're going to find rest. You'll find it as you know about me. And you decide, oh, that's my God. The one that cares, the one that can the one that shows up unexpected, the one that's faithful. What shall then we say, Romans 8, to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Listen to this. Stay focused. We're almost done. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, will he not now also with him freely give us all things? If he gave his son to be brutally slaughtered on my behalf, surely all my other simple needs will be taken care of. If he would empty heaven of the glory of his son for me, surely on earth he'll handle the intangible things. If he will handle my sin problem, surely he can handle the problems that face me today. See that revelation. Once you start having things revealed to you, you go, that doesn't make any sense to worry. If he gave me his son and allowed him to be brutally beaten and mauled on my behalf, why would you make that investment to someone in someone just to forget them? And then experience. 
Now, in Acts 12, 1 through 6, it says this. Now, about the same time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to 16 soldiers to keep him, attending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Some of you don't realize this, but the darkest days of your life have created the concrete of your soul. Experience. The woman in the delivery room that's had four children through a midwife and the lady's having her first baby and she's coming apart. She doesn't know what to do. And the, the lady said, look at me. Hey, hey, look at me. You're okay. I've done this four times. You're, you're good. I had the, and she tells her, she finishes her sentences and tells her what she's thinking and feeling. She goes, you trust me? I'm a living example that you're okay. This experience. Simon Peter was on the boat where Jesus said, let us go to the other side in the storm grew and they woke up Jesus and they said, carest not that we perish. Cruelest thing you can ever say to God, carest thou not. You don't care. You don't care about me. That worry is an accusation. You don't care. You don't care. You don't care. And Jesus stepped out to the bow of the boat and he calmed the wind and the storm and he asked them the unanswered question. They never answered it. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? No faith when the greatest object of faith is standing right in front of you. No faith when I've given you every evidence of who I am. No faith when you've seen my power. You've seen the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the dead raised. You've seen no faith. Why is it that you are so fearful? And they answered him not a word. But here he is later. After the Mark 4. After the Mark 5. He sees James, the brother of John. They take the sword. They run it through James. He falls. He dies. And they put the sword to his throat and said, Tomorrow morning, you're next. Sixteen soldiers led him away. He was chained to two. Brooke, if you'd come on up for me, please. He was chained to two soldiers. And he began sleeping. Possibly snoring. How do, you, how do you sleep through a death threat? He saw. See, this, this is where we live today. I saw this YouTube video. I saw these, these numbers. I saw these graphs. I saw what happened to them. I saw the end result. I saw what happened overseas I saw the incline of the numbers I saw the economic forecast I saw what do you do with what you see with what you know Simon Peter would say I saw them run James the brother of John through with a sword and he dropped dead in front of me and that same night I tugged on that chain. Can you guys come a little closer? I'm going to go to sleep here. 
and he slept chained to soldiers. How did he get there? Through the storm of Mark 4.35. He learned that God was with him, that God was faithful. And if it's my time to go home, can't nobody keep me here. And if it's not my time to go home, can't nobody take me out. And when you, listen, so I said all of that this morning to say this. What's the end result of all that's going on? You get to show the peace of God and live in the rest of God while the world has no anchor. And they say, what is this? And you can share your faith with one another. The answer to every fear is, can you see me? Do you see me? Think back when I rescued you. Do you see me? Can you see me now? Do you see? But Lord, the wind, mm, it is I. Stop being afraid. And one final thing. This, this is otherworldly. And when he got on the boat, immediately it was on the other side. Why would he record that? Why would he do that? I mean, surely if you can, uh, if you're God, you can just stop the storm. Why that flexing of power? I'm not a physics major, but that transcended the laws of time and space. You can't, you can't govern me. You can't check me. I'm outside of everyone's opinion. And those that trust in me know that you can go all the way this way. And I can take you right back in one moment. That confidence can't be bought with anything in this world. But is yours through the precious shed blood of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I asked the guys in the tech booth if they would play this song for you. And so if y'all will, uh, those at home, just if you want to with your family, just hold hands and watch the screen and let, least, let these words pour over you. And if you can, play the sound in here for us too.
stand together, even in your living room, if you will, stand with us right now. I hope you were encouraged by this word. I just, uh, as I sat there, I just felt this external peace. It was a great word. And I hope you felt that in your homes and hope you get a chance to share that to your kids. And Because right now they need to see that in you. They need to see that in mom and dad, that there is a peace that transcends and and hopefully you feel your anchor this morning pull tight. Hopefully you feel the strength of his love and his arms surround you. I wanna encourage you before we pray, making your mind today that you will share this with 10 people. People need to hear this. People who know Jesus and people who don't. So share this word with them and, and reach out and connect with 10 people if you would. But let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you that you are strong, that the anchor holds. God, we don't need to comprehend. We don't need to understand. We don't need to know the future because when we do, we try to control it. We need to rest in your everlasting arms. So thank you for your word this morning, God. Thank you for your peace that's just moved in our hearts and our homes. And thank you for your grace that comes when we don't deserve it, when we haven't earned it, but it's because of your son. And we thank you. Lord, we just ask that you would anchor us again this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us. Hopefully we'll see you again next Sunday.